exalted on high. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will Almighty Father. 
just your voices, sing that chorus out. As you do, take your attentions to the screens, please. Hi, I'm Liza Rios, and this is my story of how I became a Christian. So I was sitting in the middle of math class one day, and I felt like Jesus was calling me, telling me it was time to share it with the world. was telling me her story of how she became a Christian. She said, I've been a pastor a long time and I don't ever remember hearing someone become a Christian in math class. <laughs> God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? And to be able to be sitting there working on algebra, geometry, whatever it might be, and God breaks into the moment and says, this is your time. Liza, have you committed your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I because of your profession of faith in him and your desire to be obedient to him, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And it's always great when we're able to uh, experience a baptism. Uh, I want to share with you about uh, our upcoming uh, summer Bible study. You know, each year uh, we do a summer Bible study. Usually those are in homes, uh, but this year they're going to be taking place here uh, at the church. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Difference Makers uh, by Greg uh, Mott, who is the uh, pastor of First Baptist Church uh, Houston, or Houston's First Baptist Church, the proper uh, name there. Uh, and uh, it's a very incredible book. It's based out of their experiences with Harvey, and, uh, and we're excited about uh, being able uh, to do this. We have these books for you this morning uh, out in the foyer. And all, of that it, all that it will cost you is for you to take a communication card, put your name and phone number on that communication card, and when you pick up a book, you'll turn that communication card in. And the reason for that is because we are doing this by deacon families uh, this year, and we have restructured our deacon families, and so some of you may have a, a new deacon. But on, June, uh, on July the 10th, when we kick this off, we'll kick it off at 5 o'clock uh, here uh, at Westgate, back in the gym. Uh, we'll have a meal uh, together, and uh, you will be uh, uh, divided up uh, by your deacon families. Actually, there's three deacons that will be uh, working uh, together. We have deacon triads uh, now, and so there'll be three deacon families uh, that will be 
uh, together. And, uh, and so that's one reason why we're doing it here, because um, if all of the deacon families participate, that will be a pretty good number uh, of people. And so we'll kick this off at, on July the 10th at 5 o'clock with a meal, and you'll get to meet your group, and we'll start uh, that evening. Also that evening, we'll be uh, welcoming Alex and uh, Stephen uh, Henry here with us. Next Sunday will be their first Sunday uh, here with us, but we'll welcome them officially uh, on the 10th with a gift card uh, pounding. Please don't bring a pound of sugar or a pound of flour or... You know, that's where that comes from. This will be a gift card pounding. Uh, uh, Target, HEB, Kroger, Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, any of those places that help them get set up uh, here uh, in Beaumont. And so next Sunday will be their first Sunday here. We'll welcome them officially on the 10th uh, as we kick off uh, the Difference Maker uh, Bible study. And like I said, you can pick up your book this morning, turn in your name uh, on a, a communication card, and they'll change They'll exchange that card uh, for a uh, book. But we're looking forward to this study and uh, hope that you'll participate with us uh, this summer uh, as we uh, continue on and hopefully look forward to becoming difference makers.
Father, you are our mighty fortress. You are the one we can depend on. You are the one that we should be exalting because only you are worthy of praise. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing here in this room this morning. For the wonder, wonderful testimony from Liza, not only by her voice, but by her action of being baptized. God, we thank you so much for that. And dear Heavenly Father, we just ask that as the service continues, that your Holy Spirit will move in our hearts and our lives. That we'll listen carefully to what you're teaching us, to what you're telling us, to what you're calling us to do. To be the salt and light of the earth. To share the love of Jesus with those that we come in contact with. May you bless this time we're spending together. We ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. everywhere and then you come to church and you start feeling kind of hot and you think oh my goodness am I getting sick no the air conditioning got sick our AC has COVID and so it is shut down it'll be out for a bit but I, I will give you some good news it's still about 25 degrees cooler in here than it is outside so you're in a good spot and we'll try to move expeditiously through this service, but I, I hope that you'll get acclimated. As soon as I walked in after baptism, I, I said to Jeff, is the AC off? Because it was warm, but you soon get acclimated to it. Uh, there's plenty of resources to use as fans, so hopefully you can do that. And I'm, thank you for all your concerns for Michelle and I. We had COVID last week, uh, kind of a strange story. We, uh, I was not feeling uh, great. My voice was going out, which is pretty common, about twice a year, and so I was wondering what was happening. This was Friday morning, uh, Bible school, and so rather than parade around here, I went over to get a, uh, a test, turned up negative, so I came back here and uh, exposed all of you to that. And, you know, such, they're such nice people. You know, they charge you 150 bucks and said, you know, it's probably not accurate. You ought to come back in about 48 hours. <laughs> and I said, well, then is the next one free? No, it'll be another 150 bucks. And then I got home and Michelle reminded me that I was a total idiot because we have those free tests up in our cabinet. And um, so anyway, lost my voice. Uh, you guys know as well as I do, we've talked about it so many times, Warren is a MacGyver uh, in our church. And so uh, I had to record the Father's Day message uh, almost two weeks ago so that it would air on television at the right time. It gets kind of crazy sometimes. You got several messages rattling around in your head. And so we had that and said, why don't we just play that. It's going to be the same message I would preach anyway. So it worked out, and uh, some of you really love the, the notes populating on the screen. We won't be able to do that because that happens in post-editing, and that takes hours to put all those notes in with time sequencing. So we won't be able to do that uh, for you guys on a regular basis. But the, the thing that I heard most was that you guys were out in less than 55 minutes. 
and that you love that. Um, again, occupational hazard of television, you know, I've got to be done in no more than 25 minutes, and I have a little bit more time here. But anyway, thanks so much. You see me in a mask. I'm just taking the advice of my doctor, Burke Brown. Uh, we have felt normal for the last several days, but uh, CDC recommends that we wear a mask. So after the service, uh, Michelle and I will be down here in this area, but not out in the atrium, just to try to protect you guys in the situation if there, if there is any need to be protected. Uh, today is the, uh, the last Sunday for Stephen and Alex Henry up in their church in Wedgwood, up in Fort Worth. Uh, they are saying goodbye to friends, and we're so excited about them coming. They'll be here tomorrow afternoon. Any of you with strong and sturdy backs that are under the age of 40, we would welcome you to come and help unload all of their belongings as they move in. But today, as I texted uh, Stephen yesterday, I said, today we are praying for you because you're saying goodbye to friends that you've made, some uh, wonderful relationships they've had. They're closing out a chapter of their lives. And so we want to pray for them today. So would you join me in just a moment to pray for Stephen and Alex as they wrap up their life and ministry in the Fort Worth area. God, thanks so much that you have allowed us uh, to enter into a relationship with Stephen and Alex. And we know that today uh, is a hard day when they recognize with all of the excitement of coming to Westgate and all that they anticipate and look forward to, they, they also realize that they are saying goodbye to those that they have shared life with over these last several years. Uh, people that they've worked with, people they've done church and life together with, ministry that has taken place, saying goodbye to the students that he has had supervision over there. And I pray that today would just be a sweet time of, of just fellowship for them and that you would bless them and all that transpires over the next uh, day as they prepare to come down here. May we as a church receive them tenderly to, to recognize that, yes, we're so excited they're here, but also to be, to be mindful of the sadness of where they've, what they've given up in coming here. So I just pray that your blessings will be upon them. And guide us now through this time as we consider what your word would say to us. In these very unique times of history, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our brains basically have a doorway uh, through which we receive information. And we have the doorway kind of serves as a, as, as a gatekeeper in which it will block out those things that feel like they are a threat or something that is hostile to us. And so rather than learning from that information, our brain will figure out, is this hostile or friendly? And then we'll decide to open or close the door. If we feel that there is something that we must resist, then our brains won't receive the information to learn from. It'll simply block it out and put up resistance. Bob Goff, you've heard me talk about on several occasions, and I've even shared this analogy before, but it's so apropos for the times in which we live. Uh, he is an attorney. He writes, uh, best-selling author, Christian speaker, motivational, everything. Just a wonderful guy. And uh, he has written about whenever he gives a deposition, that he instructs his clients to sit in the deposition with their palms physically up. And he says the reason for that is research shows that when your palms are physically up, you are more relaxed, you are calm, you experience pressure much better, you're able to make wiser decisions to be honest and to be accurate and to not be defensive. He says, I've had clients that have been very frustrated, but once they've gone through the process of the deposition with their palms literally up, they feel a peace come over them. And he says, I learned that from Jesus because Jesus walked through all of his earthly ministry with his palms up, ready to receive whatever might come his way. 
So with that in mind, I would like for you to do a mental exercise with me, okay? You ready? Don't do this physically. Do this mentally. I want you to mentally picture yourself with your palms up, but don't do this physically right now. Just mentally picture your palms up. If you think the reversal of Roe is a good thing, visually picture your hands going out with your palms up. If you think the reversal of Roe is a bad thing, visually, not physically, visually, picture your hands going out with palms up. Now I want you to do physically what you did mentally. All of you responded to one of those questions with your palms up. So now physically, would you extend your palms up? Just place them on your, on your knees while you're sitting there for a moment. And the reason for that is I want us to try to hear what God's Word might say to us today. We're always at a deficit when someone is preaching because God's Word is being communicated through a human individual that is fallible, imperfect, and sinful. So it's my prayer that what is said here today would be helpful for us. I know in many places you just proceed on with whatever you need to talk about, but we have walked through an historic decision this week that is so important that I felt the need for us to take some time to try to consider what has happened. This won't be a political statement. I pray not. I pray that we would look at it through the lens of believers. So I want to share my story with you. I want to share a few verses of Scripture, and then we will come to the Lord's table to experience that together after we have prayed. January 22nd of 1973, I came home as an 8th grade student in Sierra Vista, Arizona, with no idea that the world had changed. Our cable company, and I know for you that are, are younger, you, you, you just, you will cry over the depravity I experienced in life. You had to buy cable to get three channels. If you didn't get cable, you had zero channels. But with cable, you had a plethora of opportunities in three channels. That was the experience. And news traveled extremely slow, nothing like the volume and velocity of how it comes today. On that day, as an eighth grade student, walking home on January the 22nd, 1973, everything seemed pretty much like normal. I'm sure I had homework that I didn't want to do, some kind of practice that I wasn't really interested in having to work in, but it seemed like a pretty normal day. Now fast forward 10 years to 1983. I was a second year seminary student working that summer of 1983 in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia as a church planter. It was an opportunity for seminary students to go in groups to certain regions and area, and we'd be paired off two seminary students together. We would live there for 10 weeks with a host family, 
And we would try to plant a church in the area in which we had been given. It would be going door to door and visiting with people and becoming acquainted and trying to share the gospel and inviting people to a Bible study. So there I am in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia in 1983, 10 years after this decision has been made as a second year seminary student just turned the age of 24. And our host family has a daughter that works in an abortion clinic. Our host family are Christians, actively engaged and involved in the church, interested in scripture. They wanna have a relationship with Christ. And this lady said, I would like for you to go to see where my daughter works so you can have a clearer picture and understanding of this whole issue about abortion, which had become a very volatile issue over that decade. So I went with her, and we stepped into the abortion clinic, which is much different than many might expect. I had, I had no point of reference at all. And as I went into the clinic, it was very beautiful, nicely decorated, clean, upscale. People were polite, very professional. You felt as if you were in a doctor's office. And here I was trying to process this. And the reason I say this is I was 24. And we would all like to believe that our, that our minds are completely shaped and formed and we're right where we need to be at 24, but I was still very impressionable, as all, all 24-year-old people. And I was trying to understand this as this woman began to explain to me what her daughter was doing and, and helping these women that were not yet ready to be a mom. And they found themselves in the unfortunate situation of having an unplanned pregnancy, and, and now they were finding help here through this doctor. This doctor came out and he, he spoke with me. Very calm, very collected. And he began to explain how he felt like this was a ministry that he had to assist these women so that they could move on with their life. It didn't feel right to me, but it didn't feel completely wrong either because of the way that the people approached it. And there I was trying to understand what I was experiencing, much like many in our world today. By then, we had a very strong pro-life movement in America. It had been in place for years. We had a president who forthrightly stated, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. So I began to read and listen. My my opinion didn't shift to say abortion was right. It was just so confusing to me. I began to read. I began to listen. Unfortunately, we didn't have podcasts back then. The best you could get was maybe a cassette tape that you could play. And I listened to what mentors would say in counsel. And I came to the conclusion of feeling very comfortable with what President Biden said years ago. Abortion is always a tragedy. That has been and continues to be my position. In January of 2020, our daughter and son-in-law moved up to Washington, D.C. Lived just a few blocks from the Supreme Court. Literally a few blocks. 
They are closer to the Supreme Court than we are to Jason's. And so I snuck away to walk around in the area. And I found myself in front of the Supreme Court, as you see there. Uh, Michelle took this picture. This was the day after the leak occurred back in May. And you see the fencing that has gone up around the facility. There were no fences there. And I was able to walk right up to those massive historic doors. And I stood there. It was such a surreal moment. And I extended my hands and placed them on the door. And I said, God, I pray that one day the people who walk through these doors will come to the conclusion that abortion is wrong and Roe will be overturned. I have to admit, I was not hopeful, but it was what I hoped for. And then on Friday, that prayer, unless you think it had anything to do with my prayer, hear me out. There were millions of people that prayed and worked for the last 50 years to see that prayer answered. And I celebrate the decision, and I will always be thankful that decision came down on my birthday. I will never forget January 24th, 2022. But not everyone celebrates that. So how do we move forward in these very difficult, tenuous times? I think we can turn to a passage of Scripture that ironically, maybe providentially, are the verses that you will read today if you're reading through the Bible, Isaiah chapter 5. So if you would take your Bible and join with me in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 24, to give you a little bit of the backstory, Isaiah is a prophet to Judah, the southern kingdom. The kingdom has been divided. Remember after Solomon's reign, the kingdom was divided. You had Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Isaiah is prophesying to the southern kingdom seven centuries before Jesus would be born. And he's letting the people know that because of their sinfulness and because of their rebellion against God, that they will go into exile. They will be turned away from their own land. But what I want us to hear, because here's something that is pivotal, I think, for us as Christians. I have been a pastor a long time, and I preached many times against abortion, and I believe that position to be right and biblically sound. But nonetheless, sometimes we approach the subject with the idea that being right is more important than doing right. Both are equally important. We can't just be right. We must also do right. And we must understand and have a proper perspective on culture. I found, and, and many of you have endured my ministry for years, and I use the word endured because I have changed through the years, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Please don't respond to that. Just, But I have. And I have spent time railing against the culture. But the truth is the culture is simply abiding by its job description. There's only one of two job descriptions that we will take in life. 
to surrender our life to Jesus Christ as Lord or to live our life in rebellion against him. We've talked about two worldviews like that, but that's it. And we live in a culture that in many ways, and not all, but for many leaders, vocal leaders, we're living in open rebellion against God. And that's the culture living out their job description. They're not Christians, and so they choose to live that way. And I'm not saying all of culture is not Christians. Be very clear. And the other way is to live in total submission to Christ. Many times we are yelling at the culture, change, change, change. And God's word says the only thing that will change them is the salt and light of the church moving out to share the gospel and being the hands and feet of Christ. So this warning, the reason I try to set all that up, I'm not even sure I set it up in a very good way. The reason I say that is the words that we're about to read is God speaking to his people through the prophet, not to the culture. Very different. We live in a democracy. That was a theocracy. God was their governing body. We live in a different time in a different way. We live in a democracy. And I think it's probably important, and I th- I, just to, to backpedal for just a moment as we even dis- consider all this, if, if we're not paying attention, the thought process is that the, the battle has been won, that abortion has been banned in America, and that, that is not even close to what's happened. The simple decision that was rendered on Friday was this, that the Supreme Court doesn't have the authority to mandate abortion over the 50 states. They're simply saying the decision needs to be made in the states, That's what's taken place. And so now it is time for us to say, where do we stand? Because now we will have an opportunity in the states to voice our opinion. I frankly believe that in 1973, seven people served as politicians that legislated a mandate against our country. And that's not right. And I believe that those who voted on the Supreme Court this time weren't legislators, they were simply saying, we were wrong to be legislators back then. We are saying now it is your opportunity as the people of the United States to decide what you will do with abortion. There are many states in which you can go right now and receive an abortion right up past delivery. Past delivery. It's still on the books. So, God is speaking to his people. So we need to be careful that we don't say this is a message for those on Capitol Hill or in the White House. This is for the people in God's house. And he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. This is such a significant warning. God is giving to his people because they had grown to the point of rebelling against God and they were saying evil is good and good is evil. Does that not feel very relevant today? We're seeing people that are pushing against creation order, both inside the church and outside of the church. Within the church, we must make sure that we do not push against creation's order. How did this mess happen? 
when sex is taken out the beautiful confines, the safeguards of marriage, chaos ensues. Where do most abortions take place? 86% of all abortions are for unmarried women. Let that sink in for a moment. When you take sex outside the confines of marriage, and we're not just talking about pregnancy, we're talking about premarital sex. When you take sex outside of the confines of God's order for marriage, chaos ensues. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. It's the reversal of the creation order. Look around and notice how many things you might not like that are trying to reverse the order of God's creation. This being one topic right here. God's created order is that a union between a man and a woman can lead to life. And we reverse that. We need to be so cautious of that. And don't let that seep into the church. Because as my story alludes to in 1983, it seeped into the church. And there are many in churches who stuck their palms out when they said, I disagree with the decision. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. And skipping down to verse 24, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty. This is a grave warning for God's people. How do you know? How do you know what is right and what is wrong? Not by doing what is right in your own eyes, but obeying God's word. They have rejected the law of the Lord. So the path forward to resist this in our own lives, the path forward we find in Isaiah chapter 6, which we'll be reading tomorrow if you're going through the Bible. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Stop for just a moment. Isaiah had his eyes turned to Uzziah, the king. He was a good king. There were only a few good kings in Judah, but there were no good kings in the northern kingdom of Israel, and Uzziah was a good king. And here's Isaiah saying, what will we do now that we do not have a leader? And God says to him, I am still on my throne. God is on his throne if the decision on, Jan on June 24th had been completely different. God is on his throne regardless of the circumstances around us. And he sees the seraphim with their six wings covering their faces in worship, covering their feet, and then flying as they call out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. As we track through that passage, we find that Isaiah suddenly realizes in the very presence of God, and that's where we must be, in the very presence of God, to recognize the holiness of God, that he recognizes his own sinfulness, not the sinfulness of his people, that's obvious, but he recognizes his own sinfulness, and God cleanses him. And in his repentance and in his cleansing, he hears God say, who will go for us? 
And he says, here am I, send me. See, the path forward is for us to not see that our kingdom, Republican, Democrat, Independent, it's not our kingdom that is supreme, but it is God's kingdom. Go back to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't say the Republican agenda. Pray for the Republican agenda to come, for the Democrat agenda to come. He said, for thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The desire is for us to see the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God, and everything else will fall into place. When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, his own sinfulness and repented, then he said, Lord, only your kingdom is what matters. Send me. Send me. So let me ask you, are you ready to be sent? You have an opportunity to go and argue with your neighbors, with colleagues, people that you work with, people at school, to win an argument or to win a heart to the kingdom of God. There is great tranquility in realizing that the Holy Spirit is the one who changes lives, not us. We are called to be holy, to live out that holiness among the people around us. So I would invite you to join me in prayer that we would pray to that end. Just as Liza demonstrated to us, we cannot be holy apart from God. We cannot be, apart, we cannot be holy apart from God. God has created us to have a relationship with him because he loves us so much. But we can never have that relationship under the power of our own works. Our sin separates us from God. We are forever separated, but thankfully Jesus Christ can make us right with God. All we have to do is repent of our sins, turn from our sins, turn to God, and we will be changed for all of eternity to surrender our life to him. So let's pray together. However, this message might have landed upon you. Seek God. Seek God like Isaiah did. Father, we, we recognize that we stand in such precarious times. One issue addressed today, but so many. We find that too often times we, we're chasing down a cultural agenda rather than chasing down your kingdom's agenda. You have called us to be holy regardless of the circumstances around us, regardless of the decisions, regardless of who is in charge. When we see you in all of your holiness, in all of our sinfulness, surrendered to you, we then become available for you to use us in mighty ways. God, if anyone within this room or listening online has never received Christ, I pray that today would be the day they would recognize that they will never be holy on their own. You are holy, 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 and only you can make us holy. Might they pray a prayer similar to this to begin to open the door of relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. 
and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, might you allow me to confess in front of this congregation that you have allowed me to pastor that I have so many times gotten this wrong. Your mandate is to us. Much as you said to Peter when he asked about John, what is that to you? You follow me. We see the model of Isaiah standing in a culture that is, that is dead set in rebellion against you, but he said, it doesn't matter. I will walk in obedience to you, O Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be, the salt and light. We do pray for our culture, pray for our nation, this land in which we live, this land in which we love. God, help us to make wise decisions, and the wisest of all is to follow hard after you and to not look as if we have the wisdom within, but to see that you have given us guidance, and directions, commands, a mandate, a pathway to experience life in all of its fullness. Help us to follow after that. And God, may we as Christians live such winsome lives, lives that are so filled with the holiness and the, the goodness of who you are, that your spirit so pervades us that people would look to us and say, what must I do to have what you have? Give us those chances. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for who you are. Guide us now as we experience this time with the Lord's Supper together. In your name we pray, amen. Deacons, if you would make your way to the front and begin to administer the Lord's Supper elements. And for all of us that are in the room together, know that if you're a Christian and you have done as Liza has done, you've been baptized as a demonstration of your commitment to Christ, we invite you to, to join with us. But I would add a little caveat to that that we don't always talk about, but it's important. If you're living in a state of rebellion against God right now, there's something that you're unrepentant about, I would ask that you would not, that you would not take the Lord's Supper because that would be in an unworthy way. The only way that we can receive these elements is with a repentant heart to say, God, just as Isaiah did, woe is me. Maybe now is the time before you receive the elements to repent of any sin in your life, to let it go. You guys go ahead and begin to pass the elements out. Let's be right with God and let's celebrate what he has done for us together.
Father, we thank you for this ordinance of your Lord's Supper, Father. Father, I pray that we come to you with uh, palms up, hearts open. Father, that uh, we recognize the sacrifice of your body and your blood, Father. Father, we continue to pray that those of us who know you would follow hard after you, Father. Father, that we would seek what is right from you, Father. Father, we lift those who don't know you, Father, or those who your spirit is speaking to currently, Father. And we pray, Father, that they would make the decision, Father, to follow after you and, and become a believer in Jesus Christ, Father. Father, thank you for placing this church here, Father. Thank you for placing each and every person that's here today here. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. What a great reminder from Scripture that Jesus came to give us life in all of its fullness. Life in all of its fullness that could only happen through a sacrificial death. And that's why he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There is no redemption of sin without the shedding of blood. Scripture tells us that. So Jesus would say, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Might we stand together and celebrate the life that Christ has given us? As we sing, be reminded, we'll be closing out the service here. We won't have a, a time of commitment like we oftentimes do. This will be our, our final song. Don't forget to pick up a book on your way out. We're going to make a difference this summer, and we want you to be a part of that. We want to do this in community together. So take a communication card, put your name and phone number on there, Pick up a book on the way out as our deacons will be out there trying to help and assist with that. Secondly, if there is a decision that you felt like you needed to make today to either follow Christ, maybe you prayed to receive Christ, maybe you want someone to pray for you, maybe you want to be, become a part of this church fellowship, take one of those communication cards, go to the communication center right outside in the atrium and leave it there. So let's worship in these next few moments together, the privilege that we have of knowing Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior.
bless you. Have a great week.